politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, forgotten and scorned American taxpayers and all around common sense, independent conservatives to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze TV. Daniel Horowitz back in the house for a brand new week of exciting broadcast, exciting independent conservative news, views, analysis, and strategies for a way forward. And we certainly need a strategy forward. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. So many new listeners this past month. I welcome all of Mark Levin's TV show listeners. I really appreciate some of your comments. A lot of you saw me last night speaking about the Pennsylvania data and the need to fight on from a moral and legal standpoint. We won't be delving too much into voter fraud today, but I want you guys to know we do this on every issue. If you saw me last night for those 10 minutes and you enjoyed a thoughtful, more in-depth analysis, well, this is what we do every day. And I really hate cable news because of that, because you can never get a real thoughtful analysis. But uh, Mark certainly does that better than anyone on that hour-long TV show. But folks, I, I need you guys to subscribe on iTunes, send the show to everyone else, because we really are going to delve in depth into the topics on the virus, the true science and, and legalities behind lockdowns and masks, crime, courts, judicial supremacism, all the issues that really mattered to us. And then we put it together politically for what that means for independent conservatives. And where do we go from here when we have a party that doesn't delve into those important issues, doesn't provide a bold contrast? And, and, and that's what I really want to start off with today. These Georgia Senate races, where we're just not seeing anything. We're not seeing a bold contrast. We're not seeing a message where they're speaking to us on the issues that matter and where they're making commitments of what they will and will not do. Where they even give us the confidence that they recognize the severity of the corona fascism that we're up against, of the growing crime that we're seeing, and the juxtaposition of those two. The fact that we now have a government that violates that social compact and locks up Americans for opening businesses and for not wearing a mask, but releases criminals in mass. I was just looking at the Cook County jail roster. It went down from 11,000 to about 4,000 people in jail since 2012. Well, that's why you see all the crime on the streets, because all the criminals are on the streets. Now, folks, with all the crime going up and with Joe Biden slated, unfortunately, to be president, unless we do something about that, people are buying guns and ammo at record prices. Very hard to get affordable ammo at this point. But one thing you absolutely need and can get at an affordable rate with top quality is your We the People holster. If you're making a firearms purchase because you're worried about the future of the Second Amendment, because you're worried about the growing crime of the stupid jailbreak policies, you got to carry safely and responsibly. Starting at just 40 bucks, We the People holsters are custom designed to fit your firearm perfectly, made right here in the USA. They have thousands of options to choose from. I'm carrying my Walther PPS We the People holster with a nice patriotic 
symbol on it. You could get it for a couple dollars more really nice uh, custom-made ones with custom designs, but their propriety clip designs are on all of them that allow you to easily adjust the cant and the ride. So it's both comfortable but very secure. Has that nice click when you take it in and out. Um, very versatile but very secure. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR to get yours today. Every holster ships free. Lifetime guarantee comes with all of them, but you can get an additional $10 off with offer code CR. It's also a great gift this time of year for Christmas. You could send it for a friend. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Wethepeopleholsters.com forward slash CR. Offer code CR for $10 off. Now, folks, I watched part of that debate last night with Kelly Leffler and the Democrat. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I'm trying to like her. I'm, tr- I'm doing my best. I'm trying to come up with a way to say vote for these people. And if you want to vote for them, vote for them. But as I've been noting all of last week, the most important question to us is not so much, are you going to vote for them or not? But what are we going to do outside of this dilemma to make a normal second party that will stand for us. They're not even pandering to us while they're seeking our vote. There's very important lessons. Like picture you have your house on fire. Someone came and arsoned your home. And they're like, you know, those people might come and rape your wife. Well, yeah, that's kind of bad, but... That's not really in the works right now. And what they are doing is burning down the house. And you're not even acknowledging that our house is burning and they burned it. Nor are you committing how to put it out or to fighting it. And in fact, you're kind of joining with the arson. That's how we feel about the Republican Party. At any given moment, they always point to the next level. Oh, the Democrats will abolish the police. That's all they talk about. But... What they're currently doing is, in many respects, worse by de facto abolishing them, except only using them against us. And we don't hear Republicans speak with passion about the jailbreak and the de-incarceration and what they plan to do. We're always, for our new listeners, we're always putting out 10 things we can do on crime, 10 things we can do on, on, you know, COVID fascism, 10 things we can do about this. I always have these listicles. We don't hear this from anyone running for office. Instead, it's these broad platitudes like she called Warnock a radical liberal 14 times. She mentioned the word socialism eight times. And she talked about living the American dream 15 times. And it's like, that's nice if you have something specific behind it that you are railing against the other side and then demonstrating what you're going to do different, the strategies you're going to employ politically to beat them on those issues. But otherwise, you know what they're like? It's kind of like driving by a shop that has the samples in the, in the window, and yet all that's in the shop are the samples. You don't have any store behind it. It's like, well, okay... A sample of, of, I'm against socialism. I'm against radical liberals. But define socialism for me. As we're talking, oh, the American dream. She and every Republican is joining in with this India visa big tech handout 
giving all our green cards to big tech that's censoring us. Is that the American dream? Oh, they're all against socialism. But they all supported the worst piece of legislation in American history. Trillions of dollars of the COVID bill that underwrote the entire lockdown. Had they not done that, the states couldn't afford to do what they did. And now they're negotiating as we talk. There's a budget deadline for funding. They're operating on a CR, continuing resolution. And they plan by December 18th to pass an operating budget bill for the rest of the fiscal year 2021. But at the same time, attached to it, another trillion dollar COVID handout. Now, look, if you want to go and pass a bill to just compensate business owners, but targeted, not everyone, including people like these wealthy workers that work from home and didn't lose a penny, but people that lost their businesses, then fine. But to just indiscriminately throw money at people in states that helped the lockdown, which will further enable them to lock us down on the cheap without having to come to the people and ask for it in the form of higher taxes, which they won't get. And without any effort to condition the funding to governors respecting civil liberties and religious liberties. Like they're going to throw billions of dollars at the schools, but there won't even be a precondition as part of getting that funding that they have the schools open and without abusing our kids with the damn masks and the plexiglass and whatever else. This is happening now. It's a live fire. And it's like they're running on broad platitudes, like as if it's like 30 years ago. Well, we're for limited government, uh, no radical liberals, we don't want socialism. They don't talk about the COVID fascism, the anarcho-tyranny, the mix of the tyranny against our civil liberties. Together with the anarchy of allowing violent criminals to be released from jail and often using the same virus as a pretext to let them out of jail to stop the spread while criminalizing our very free breathing from our nose and our mouths. Where is this? This is what I don't understand. You watch these Republicans and it's like all these guys in Georgia politics like, you better vote for them, Daniel. Shut up. You always have to vote Republican. I'm like, if you're so passionate about that and you have so much influence and you're, you know, shoulder rub these Republicans, why don't you use your passion? The same passion that you're harnessing to belittle and patronize and abuse conservative voters, use it against them. Say, look, you know, you better deliver for these voters. You, Kelly Leffler. David Perdue, here's what we expect from you. We expect you to object to any visa expansion. We expect for you to push conditions on any funding bill to end COVID fascism, to end COVID jailbreak. But nothing. This is why I can't respect these people. It's like in God opened the mouth of the donkey, Balaam's donkey. Like that's the only time they talk. Like a wind-up toy. Vote Republican. Okay, but what else... Do you have to say? What other strategy do you have for us? You want to do that? Fine. I'm not against that. But what else are you going to do? You know, it's funny. They're all talking about how um, 
oh my gosh, it's so important that Republicans maintain the Senate so at least there's some degree of control that they they wield on a federal level to stop all this stuff. Look at all we can do. Look at the differences in realms of outcomes between Republicans controlling the Senate versus not controlling the Senate. And I'm thinking, and, and you know who you are, some of these Republicans in Georgia or some of them are nationally. I got news for you. Republicans have substantial majorities in both houses of the Georgia legislature, and they have the governor and the lieutenant governor and the secretary of state and the attorney general. What the hell are they doing with all that power, with all of it? Forget it, we don't have to grasp on, oh, for you know what's going to happen if Republicans just control one of the three. They control all the government in Georgia. And what are they doing with it? Nothing on election reform, even while we have this very runoff election going on. Nothing on crime. We couldn't even get an anti-gang bill passed the legislature. And that's another thing. Like, look, that was an issue Brian Kemp was decent on, although he kind of gave up on it. And the rhinos in the legislature blocked it. I don't hear these voices that are so prominent, like a fly on you-know-what. They're all the time to tell us, you better vote Republican. Look look at how much of a difference it makes. Republicans win versus Democrats. I never heard any of them focusing on that anti-gang bill when Republicans indeed already had full control of Georgia's government. And on and on. We could do this on every issue. You know, today is the 79th anniversary of the day that will live on in infamy, Pearl Harbor Day. And, you know, you could tell it was black and white. It was a day of black and white. Of moral clarity from a nation with a united mission, a united sense of purpose. We understood what was at stake. We did everything we could to achieve victory. We defined the enemy. We didn't make up fake enemies. And what was significant about all the events that were precipitated as a result of Pearl Harbor, leading with the culmination of VE Day and VJ Day, was that in all our history, well, I would say really since, I guess, the War of 1812, this was the first time that you know, we wondered, hey, are we vulnerable? Could we be attacked? Could the safe America beacon of light on that hill, a city on a shining hill, surrounded by two oceans, could we really lose control one day and, and just collapse? And the Japanese challenged that theory. Maybe we were vulnerable to external attack and conquest. And the answer was a resounding no. And the answer pretty much still is resounding no from an external conquest. But what we have done to ourselves this year is a Pearl Harbor every day for eight months. We have done to ourselves what no external enemy could ever do. We destroyed and shredded our civilization. We shredded the mental health, the education of an entire generation of a civilization of children for a virus that doesn't affect them, but more importantly, for a virus that it is now incontrovertibly clear that there is nothing you can do non-pharmaceutical to prevent its spread, where the correlation is remarkable of a lack of a correlation, (laughs) 
a correlation of a lack of a correlation between any of these things and positive results. You know what's amazing? California is going berserk. Oh my God, you can't even be allowed to walk outside in LA. The Constitution doesn't apply because cases are just skyrocketing. Wait a minute. How are cases skyrocketing? You guys never came out of a full lockdown. They've had it for eight months. It didn't work. See, there's one thing. If they violated the Constitution, they destroyed physical health. They they destroyed mental health. They destroyed the economy. They destroyed lifelong dreams. But at least the virus were kept at bay. So you could say maybe it's working. Question would be, is it worth it? Here, it's all pain and no gain. You get nothing for it. Because by their own admission, it's spreading more than ever. It's spreading more with universal mask wearing in place for months on end than it was in April when, or March certainly, when nobody was wearing them. Very few people were wearing them before the mandates. And their answer is, you better wear a mask. It's spreading. You a-hole, we have been wearing masks. I have not seen a single human being where I am in a store since April that hasn't been wearing a mask. It never ends. And yet we don't seem to care. Let's go through some of this. Let's go through some of the fake science. I want to show you a difference Well, while we discuss some of the latest news on the virus. But again, a difference between a Republican that actually believes in liberty, ordered liberty, freedom, and pretty much everyone else. Why do I keep coming back to Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis? Well, because we don't have any others. We don't have anyone on his level, even in states that are much more Republican than Florida is, which has been turning red, but it's still, you know, kind of a closed state. So basically, big news over the weekend. Governor Ron DeSantis had his Department of Health send a letter to all of the testing labs and require them to report the CT level of every test that they perform. CT is cycle threshold. And what that means is every time they do a PCR test, they run it through machines for a certain number of amplifications. And each subsequent amplification is doubled. So it's exponential. So in other words, you know, um, the way you would write the math equation is if you have 40 CTs, which a lot of the labs in America are doing, it would be 2 to the 40th power. So that's it's not 40 times more. It's God knows how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of times more. And basically... What most research has shown is that after 25 cycles, after 25 CTs of amplification, meaning if in order to detect the viral RNA, RNA, you have to run it through the thing more than 25 times, most of the time what you're getting is a de facto false positive, meaning it's such a trace level that it has no infectious potential. It's either it's too small or or it's, it's dead Viral RNA, it's not live, it's not reproducing. So it's you have it in all but name only. Um, no, I'm sorry, you have it only in name, in name only. 
and therefore you're not infectious. Now look, there certainly are people getting infected. There's nothing we can do about that spread. It's got to run its course. Very few get it at a clinical level. And those who do, we have more resources than ever in our hospitals to deal with it. The hospitalization levels are not more in most places than 2018 flu. And if they are, they're not that much more. And we did nothing back then. We didn't panic people. And we didn't, frankly, send $200 billion to the hospitals to deal with it. But the point is, there still are a good number of people that they're like, oh, I have it. I didn't know that. A woman comes in. I I know um, we have a family friend whose kid was plucked out of school for two weeks because her mother tested positive. Had she test positive, she was giving birth in the hospital. They automatically test. They're like, you have it. Like, no, I'm here to give birth. Well, you have COVID. Well, I, okay, I didn't realize that. I feel fine other, other than the labor pains. And it turns out that there is now dozens of studies, tons of research that shows that most people who are asymptomatic the only way they really get that is with more than 25 CTs. And in most labs, they're doing 35 to 40 CTs. It's essentially nothing. So there are definitely, it's not that all cases are, are like this. There are, you know, the people that are, you know, very symptomatic, even if they're not clinical level, but symptomatic, you know, they have low grade fever and they're coughing or they have the muscle aches. They, they likely, you know, you would likely catch that at, um, a lower CT threshold, which means higher presence of viral RNA that is live and infectious potential. But a heck of a lot of people that we are destroying their lives without due process, they have the virus only in the sense of detecting it with 35, 40 CTs. And let me just explain to you the difference. The difference between 40 CTs and 30, remember, it's 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 um, it's uh, 2 to the 10th power, right? If the difference between 30 and 40 CTs, do you know what that is? Simple math. That means that a PCR test run through 40 CTs is 1,024 times greater amplification than one done at 30 CTs. Now, if you want to compare it to the 25 level, which is the threshold that the court in Portugal said based off the research that it's unconstitutional. Think about it. They follow constitutional rights more in Portugal than here. They said, the judge there said, look, you know, you can't lock someone down if they test positive with more than 25 CTs. They're not infectious. Our labs that are using 40 CTs to find it, they're using... 32,768 times greater amplification than a test of that cutoff threshold, which is considered scientific. 25, you want to make it at 30, you can make it at 30, but you get my point. I cannot overstate the enormity of this. You know, I know a lot of times our eyes glaze over CTs, like what does that mean, number, like this is everything. Because if we are going to suspend the Constitution based on PCR testing and case counts, and if we are going to count hospitalizations and deaths based on someone testing positive, even if they don't have symptoms, we better get good data. We better have data that is transparent and accurate. And 
they really are infectious. Think about this. We're sitting in contact tracing all these people that don't have symptoms. We're chasing our tail. Limit, I mean, even if you believe in this, believe in tracing and quarantining a virus that is likely spread to 100 million people, which is just mentally ill, nothing has shown that you could stop it. But even if you agree to that premise, the general premise of what we're doing, everyone should agree to this one modification that Ron DeSantis did and say, look, let's report what CT level so we could better see like, okay, well, Johnny in school is has an uncle's cousin's friend who tested positive asymptomatically. So therefore, anyone in school who had any exposure to Johnny, not only does Johnny need to be locked down for two weeks, but anyone who dealt with him. Well, it, was that original case even transmissible? And, and the most empirical way of determining that is the CT level. Why wouldn't every state do it? Now, I think you know the answer. But there's only one Republican governor willing to follow the science. Think about the lives of the kids we're destroying based on this. Based on faulty CT levels. Just recently, a University of Oxford study came out. So it was basically a, um, an analysis of 29 studies. It wasn't, so they didn't conduct their own study. It's one of these analysis of a 29, 29 studies on transmissibility, CT levels, symptomatics, and they found the evidence is increasingly pointing to the probability of culturing live virus being related to the amount of viral RNA in the specimen and therefore inversely related to the cycle threshold. They observed two published studies that showed, quote, the odds of live virus culture reduced by approximately 33% for every one unit increase in CT. (laughs) 32% decrease in likelihood that it's going to be a live virus, meaning if it's dead, it's nothing. You know what we call that? A vaccine. And don't even get me started on this notion that if you had it already, somehow you can be infected again in meaningful ways, but somehow uh, a vaccine is going to work. But yeah. They concluded that given that the complete live virus are necessary, that that complete live viruses are necessary for transmission, not the fragments identified by PCR, they advise that accurate CT levels coupled with actual symptoms in the patient, quote, should be used to define the reliability of PCR for assessing infectious potential. On the other hand, they concluded that positive results from those, quote, with high cycle threshold are unlikely to have infectious potential, end quote. Think of what we're doing to our children. And, and I, I, it's, it's everyone, but I mention children because most often they really are very asymptomatic. And most often, if you would look at the CT levels, you'll find there's no infectious potential, which we're, we're seeing in general that kids don't really spread it. They get it from adults in a very trace level, doesn't bother them. And then they don't pass it on. And that's why. If you were to document it, the first step to actually changing the policy is at least having transparency and recording the CT levels. We now have, according to the Washington Post, the failure rates in math and English among low-income household children in Montgomery County, Maryland, rose sixfold, sixfold this year. Montgomery County here always, um, I mean, I'm not in Montgomery, I'm in Baltimore. 
but it's in Maryland, uh, just outside of D.C. They always prided themselves in having their best public schools. Well, lockdown, Larry, Governor Lockdown, Larry, what do you have to say for yourself now? In St. Paul, Minnesota, nearly 40% of high school students in the entire city have received failing grades this year. And of course, tons of kids are checking themselves in for suicidal thoughts. All for a freaking cycle threshold lie. Again, isn't this about following the science? I know it's not about following the Constitution, right? I mean, that that you're not allowed to follow anymore. We, we get the message loud and clear. But don't we care? All for nothing? And again... I'm talking about beyond even if you want to keep the COVID fascism, at least limit it to those that have proven levels of infectious virus that could potentially be transmissible. But then even with that, it makes no difference. California is now the worst ever. California's experiment has failed. LA County Okay, if you take L.A. County, it's the biggest county in the nation, but it's not as big as a big state, right? L.A. County is about, is less than half the size of Florida in terms of population. Governor DeSantis has ended all emergency powers and he banned localities from finding people for not wearing a mask. L.A. County is literally like the Philippines. It's like North Korea now. And they've had a strict mandate in place from day one. They reported 38,489 cases in the first five days of December. Okay. Same period of time in Florida, they have 49,000 cases. So only, um, what is that? Offhand, offhand, what is that? 20% more when their population is double. No masks, few to no restrictions. It doesn't make a difference. Now, to be clear, Florida has gotten it more until now, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> what You're going to get it when you get it. You're going to get it. Everyone's going to pretty much more or less even out. To the extent you didn't get it earlier, you're going to get it more now, whatever you do. To the extent you had it more earlier, you're going to get fewer cases now because there's less there's fewer people that still need to get it. Everyone's going to have to get it in some way or be exposed to it in some way. Some are going to have that robust T-cell immunity where they only get these trace levels of it and it's not really infectious. Other people are going to get it. Again, like that's the thing. We're likely going to have to have 70% of the population ultimately get it, but I say get it in air quotes at this CT level meaning only maybe 30 40% are going to have to get it in any meaningful level. And again, an overwhelming majority of those people are not going to be clinical level. And even the ones that are, there's nothing we can do other than tell people to take vitamin D, to take zinc, to take vitamin C and and aspirin also has been proven to help a lot early on. I mean, these things like my, my brother recently got it. And, you know, I was giving him advice on it. I was like, hey, you know, take this, take that. And he was like, it's crazy. No, you can't really find good information. Eight months after the most studied and obsessed about virus ever, 
It's like, shut up, mask up, and don't get it. Well, that's not a strategy for something that is already spread to 100 million people. You can't stop the spread of something like this. You have to empower people how to deal with it properly. Instead, we're trading what we can't do for what we can do. Because again, this is not about empowerment. It's not about science. It's not about people keeping people safe. It's about control and totalitarianism. Truly, truly disgusting. But again, why aren't Republicans discussing half the stuff I discuss? Why aren't they talking about this? And then again, I want to point to you folks. You look in general at the hospitals. The levels aren't that. They're not worse than they typically are. In Dece- Remember, we're already into the second week of December. That's flu season. We're no, we're no longer the early stages of flu season. This is the heart and soul of it. I mean, it gets a little bit worse the end of December, early January, but we're, we're, we're at the heart of flu season. Flu is down 98.4%. So this is instead of the flu, we have people in the hospital from COVID, not just the BS COVID test. Legitimately, they came there for COVID. Trouble breathing. Most of them are manageable, thankfully, but the worst cases, people do die, mainly people at the end of their life. But, A, there's no way to stop it anyway. And B, if you look at the levels, it evens out because we don't have the flu. So it's essentially this year's flu. At Mass General, 30% of COVID patients are hospitalized for other reasons and happen to test positive upon admission. Probably most of them are these bogus CT levels. And the rest of them, you know... It's all um it's all a matter of perspective and context. Most places are not worse than the 2018 flu season. And often uh, you know typical flu season. Some places in California, they haven't yet met the threshold of even last December, which was a a mild flu season. And again, you are going to have some places at the end of the day that aren't 100% even. Some places get it worse than others. But it's not because, oh, you did this or you did that. Because we're seeing places that have it horribly, that have all the mass stuff and the lockdowns and places vice versa. We have all four permutations. But there are places that are just for whatever reason, luck out or in some places, get it worse. We see that with every pandemic flu. If you look at a map of the 2018 flu season, you'll find that too. Texas happened to get it very bad. Other states didn't get it as bad. New York Post has this panic porn article out. Hospitals in Idaho, Pennsylvania, and Texas overwhelmed by COVID patients. It's not true. My my buddy who goes by Gato Malo on, online, I can't give out his name. I mean, he wants to remain anonymous. Very brilliant analyst. Dug up the data. in Idaho of inpatient beds are being used. Just 50% of inpatient beds are being used. 14% of them are COVID. ICU is just 74% full. Well, isn't that a majority, Daniel? Dude, this is not like a hotel. Hospitals aren't run like hotels. They're generally run with 90% of ICUs in use because it's not economical. They can't afford to keep them all vacant. And then they have surge capacity 
mandated by federal law to go up to 125% if need be. So this is nonsense. You go to Pennsylvania, 73% of beds and 82% of ICUs are taken again. Those numbers are actually low for a flu season. Because again, we don't have the flu this year. So COVID is the only thing. And COVID does send some people to the hospital. But by and large, for a, a substantial portion of the population, they actually get less sick from it than they do the flu. Certain population that it's more dangerous. There's a large, large population of younger people that they're more likely to go to the hospital from the flu. So if you don't have the flu this year, you're actually doing better. Texas, 73% of beds are taken, 82% of ICUs. Again, that is below flu season thresholds. So we're being lied to on all fronts. How come you have to turn to a show like this to hear this discussed? Why don't these elected Republicans ever discuss this, much less use the budget bills and the COVID bills and all that leverage to make conditions on data transparency, on constitutional transparency, but nothing. Absolutely nothing from these people. What a disgrace. You know, we've been discussing the whole time the data, the science behind this, But again, from a legal standpoint, why do we not have a party throwing that white flag and saying, wait a minute, you don't have the right to do this. This is not part of that marriage document, that constitution that we ratified. Just because you're an elected official It doesn't mean you could just say, here's a press conference. Here's what I'm doing. You can't open your private schools. You can't open your business. You can't walk freely and breathe freely without covering your face. And now curfews and you can't even walk in some places. This is unbelievable. I always ask my father, he, he would travel a lot to China and I'd say, you know, what, what was it like to meet some of these people? He worked with educated people, often wealthy people. And I would tell him, you know, do they realize that this Chinese stuff is kind of crap, that the Chinese government, and do they yearn for freedom? And he, he always told me they would kind of put their head down when he would talk to them. Like, they'd go blank. And, and I always thought, like, wow, imagine living in a place like that. That's what we've become now. Our people just go blank when I say, you know, we have rights. You know, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, government's lying to you about these masks and the, and the lockdowns and everything. And uh, no one ha- is making any effort to change this. As I've noted before, you look at the Workplace Mental Health Institute. They show 15 signs of, a, of an abusive relationship. Go through them and ask yourselves... Which ones do not apply? I'm going to have this chart out today. And thank you for one of our listeners. You could join us, by the way, on Miniman Speakeasy is our Facebook page. One of them posted this. Here are the 15 signs of an abusive relationship. 
stops you from seeing friends and family, won't let you go out without permission, tells you what to wear, monitors your phone or emails, contacts, or, or um, uh, control of finances, he won't let you work, control of what you read, watch, and say, monitors everything you do, punishes you for breaking the rules, but the rules keep changing, tells you it's for your own good, and that they know better. Doesn't allow you to question it. Tells you you're crazy and no one agrees with you. Calls you names, shames you for being stupid. Gaslights you, challenges your mem- memory of events, makes you doubt yourself. Dismisses your your uh, opinions. And then, of course, number 15 is plays the victim. If things go wrong, it's all your fault. Every single one of these is happening now, and it's the hallmark of an abusive relationship. It's the hallmark of an abusive relationship between us and government. Like I said, even if there were valid science or data behind what they're saying, you can't do this to people. We're not subjects. Just like you might be ticked off at your wife. You know, let, let, let's say someone's wife, I don't know, they're upset that their wife is too dismissive of them or too snarky or too, you know, something like kind of personal. And he goes and he punches her in the face. Well, I mean, he might be right about some of the things that she did, but like, that's just not okay. You just can't do that. That's just not something you can do. Article 44 of the Maryland Declaration of Rights, as I've always said, that the provisions of the Constitution of the United States and of the state apply as well in time of war as in time of peace. And any departure therefrom or violation thereof under the plea of necessity or any other plea is subversive of good government and tends to anarchy and despotism. U.S. Code 18, Section 242 prohibits any elected official from using, quote, law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom to deprive any person of rights, privileges, or immunities secured by or protected by the Constitution. Where is everyone? Where are these Republicans in the 31 states where they control both bodies of the legislature and in the 24 states where they control the trifecta of government? Where are they? I'm not seeing them. The Republican politicians live in a different universe from their voters. They care about different issues that we care about. They hold different principles than we hold. They speak differently. They use different parlance than we use. They can't even relate to us when they're trying to pander for our vote. And it's all of them. It's not just the Georgia ones. It's all of them. Which is why it's so hard to find people like Ron DeSantis that are fighting COVID fascism. That is pushing anti-mob legislation, anti-crime legislation. Why aren't we finding that anywhere else? Because we don't demand it. It's the soft bigotry of low expectations. Just vote Republican and shut up. That's no different from the Democrats saying mask up and shut up. C.S. Lewis warned, of all tyrannies, a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It may be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep, 
Stupidity may at some time, some point be satisfied or satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. That is COVID fascism in a nutshell, foretold by C.S. Lewis. And this is the thing. We don't have Republicans fighting for us on any issue. This is one of the points I made last night on Levin show when I was talking about election fraud. I said part of the reason why we have these problems is the Supreme Court would not even be against us in a lot of these issues. But Republicans never even fought it to the point of even going up to the Supreme Court, much less dealing with it on their own without the stupid court system. Because they just drop it after every election. Because outside of clamoring for our votes, they never ever fight for us on an issue, including on issues pertaining to election law that affect their very ability, ironically, to get reelected. It's all about them getting reelected so they can get in there and do nothing for us. But ironically, they're coming to a point where rapidly they won't even be able to get elected. That's the little dirty secret here. I just want to close by talking about the courts for a minute. Speaking of the courts, do you know that a federal judge just ruled that Trump has to fully reinstitute in all cases, not just in partial cases, some cases like before DACA, Obama's illegal amnesty. Can you imagine any judge telling Biden he has to continue any Trump policy, much less an illegal Trump policy, giving citizen documents to foreign nationals that came here illegally? Notice how, I mean, as we're talking here, I'm just seeing a Georgia judge dismiss the lawsuit from Sidney Powell saying, not that it was bogus, but you should have done it a month earlier, whatever that means, and you should have done it in state court. They give them the runaround, all technicalities. Somehow illegal aliens never have technicalities. We are a week or two weeks into literally the LA mayor saying, I'm banning you from going jogging on the sidewalk. And there is no lawsuit, no relief, no injunction. Illegal aliens get whatever they want. And the reason is because the judicial tyranny, the open borders, the election fraud, the COVID fascism, the crime, all of the issues we care about have been allowed to fester because we don't have a single one of them for which there is a critical mass of Republicans fighting for us. And until and unless we change the game of our strategy of what we do, none of this is going to matter. But anyway, folks, we are just out of time. Left a lot more on the table, but we thankfully have a long week in front of us to delve into some of this before we get to the long Christmas, New Year's break where we take off. We'll be off of broadcasting the final two weeks of the year. Not my choice, by the way. I would... uh continue on but gives our staff a break but we'll be putting out videos during the break on our facebook page you could follow us at Hurwitz citizen sanctuary is the public page minimum speakeasy is the private page again i welcome all of our new listeners um you'll find whether you agree or disagree with me these are all my own talking points they're all unique they're all independent and that's what we need more independent thinking stop the partisanship Stop the endless R versus D nonsense when both sides ironically agree on most issues, despite all the name-calling. Let's focus on substance. Let's get it done. Let's find a way 
of at least having a republic in part of our land. Freedom, civil, religious liberty, rational thought, rational ground, ordered liberty without crime. These are all things we need to continue fighting for, and God be with us. We will definitely do everything we can to achieve those goals. Till tomorrow, thank you all for listening. God bless you all, and have a terrific day.